Welcome to the Anderson Business Advisors Podcast, the nationally recognized preferred provider for asset protection and tax planning in the nation. This show is for real estate investors looking to protect their assets, save on taxes, and build their wealth with Clint Coons. Clint is an attorney, author, avid real estate investor, and featured instructor at Anderson's tax and asset protection events held throughout the country. Enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Clint Coons here. And in this episode, what I wanted to do is talk about multifamily investing, but I want to do it in a sense that most of the time when I'm talking to people about multifamily, we're talking about huge units, 100, 200, 300. How many times do you run into somebody that tells you you can get involved in multifamily investing without having to go out there, syndicate, bring in all these investors and make it so damn complicated, you're like, I'm just going to leave this to other people. Well, the two people I'm going to bring on today that we're going to be talking to, Jen and Stacy Conkey, they've been doing this and I've known them for years and I've seen the success that they have generated through their investing. I thought, you know what, who better not to bring on than two experts that know how to get into these smaller deals that can help generate for you massive cash flow and wealth. So with that, they've set up a company called Remote Multifamily Investing Academy. They are my guests today. So Jen, Stacy, how are you doing? Oh. Awesome. How are you, Clint? It's nice to see you I'm again. Doing great. It's nice great. to see you guys. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, you know, you've been doing this. I've been following you now for several years. We've known each other probably going back 10 years. And uh, it's been a progression for you. Before you got into multifamily, what were you guys doing? Well, I started off a while ago back in, man, I started off in manufacturing, really. Climbed the corporate ladder only to find out it was on the wrong wall. Okay. And, uh, in 2003 is when I started doing real estate investing and I did the DIY with my brother and my, and my dad, and then, um, got, it just went from there as a side hustle, but I spent 22 years in corporate America grinding and figuring that out while doing real estate on the side until I could finally leave that nine to five and do it full time in 2015. Well, that's awesome. So it just shows you that real estate can replace that nine to five and give you the freedom and the flexibility to continue on it full time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. My background is a little bit, uh, a little bit different. I did uh, accounting was my background. So I'm a CPA, went through public accounting and started climbing the corporate ladder and just realized this, that was not where I was. That's not what I was meant to do in the world. And so I started investing same action in 2000, 2003, Jen and I did not know each other. Then our paths were totally different. Um, but my path took me immediately into remote investing because where I lived, the like the prices didn't make sense for cash flow, and it was very competitive, and the prices were high, so high barrier of entry to get started. So I learned about remote investing really early, and I've been doing it ever since. And see, that's just it. Because when so many people, you know, they live on the coast and they want to do some multifamily, but as we talked about in the opening, I said, hey, the impediments are too big. The second impediment is too expensive. I yeah. mean, you've heard it. There's more cash floating around than there are deals. And so you've carved out this little niche for you. And how did that start where you started finding these, these deals? Gosh, well, I mean, for me, the very first multifamily I got was in, well, I didn't know what I was doing for starters. I, I paid for an education. It was complete garbage. So I had a lot of um, figure it out as you go, but I ended up finding a couple of light fixture upper duplexes in Illinois. And I just started kind of doing it. And then I moved from market to market. At this point, we've done 17 markets, 17 yeah. different markets throughout the US over the course of time. And that's just how it started. And a lot was take one step, you know, step your toe on a few things, adjust. And eventually we just created systems that we could just do one thing after another. Every single deal we do is 
A, B, C, D, E, F, G, exactly the same every time um, so that we cross every T and dot every I. Uh, but it really just started with a couple of duplexes and then over time built into apartments. For me, it was a, my first one was a duplex. Um, use my 401k to get it. Use my 401k improperly to get it. So that was fun. Uh, learned a lot since we've actually been with Anderson Advisors oh, yeah. for several years now. Um, learned my lessons on that. But uh, that's how I started out with just a duplex. But before that, it was wholesaling and flipping for profits. Uh, and, um, you know, the grind. You you really, yep. I felt like I was creating a new job to leave my old job. But buy and hold was better for me personally. Um, haven't looked back. Yeah. Now, people are probably listening in and thinking, wait a minute, Clint. I thought this was about multifamily. They just said duplex. That's a multifamily, uh, right? Yeah. Like so. So one of the things I've always been very pat because the education I got when I was new was so awful. When I was still trying to figure it out, I said, you know what? If I can ever figure this out, I'm gonna go back and I'm going to teach others because this is not right. Like real estate truly can create freedom. It can create financial freedom, time freedom, and location freedom. But I was struggling. I was on the struggle bus big time. And I was very passionate then that like, if I figure this out, I'm going to go back and teach it. And after a handful of years, I did start doing that. But multifamily, and so I've worked with people over a lot of years now, over 15 years, I've been working with new people. And the one thing I've come to realize is people hear multifamily and they think apartment buildings. They and apart big apartment buildings. Right. Big. Yeah. And multifamily includes apartment buildings, but multifamily is anything that's more than a single unit, a single family home. So there's this entire niche area that is so much easier for people to get started, especially if they're nervous or overly analytical, like I was. And that is two to four units and it's residential. So it's very similar to buying a single family home, except you get the benefits of some economies of scale and the inventory is significantly higher. So although we do both and we teach both, I always want people to know that multifamily isn't only for people who have $500,000 in the bank sitting to put down on something. You know, you can get started with a duplex. That is better than sitting and watching and doing nothing. Yeah. I, and I think for, for me, I, I was very into, very much into how could I get as big as I can? How many, how can I get into big properties and, and learning about syndication and then realizing when it came time to implement, that was really hard. And, and I had to go figure out a PPM and I had to figure out an SEC attorney and I had to go figure out all these other things and come up with quite a bit of capital before even getting into that. Um, I mean, that's why I was banging my head on the wall after my trainings and, and Stacy, same thing. So we didn't do it that way though. We ended up doing joint ventures and getting into smaller deals to build up our name. And, um, you know, once you show that you can close on a property and you're a performer, then you no longer need that sponsor that I was in desperate search of back in, Oh God, I just want to take down a hundred unit building or a 400 <laughs> unit building. And, um, that was very difficult and it was, it was very daunting and there's a lot of fear there. So I felt like our way was is, is a lot smoother and able to get into it. Okay. So if somebody's, you know, they want to make that leap into multifamily, it sounds like you don't need to be a single family investor first or develop that type of experience. Because if you're going four units or less, Stacey, what I heard you say, and you know, then you're going to be looking at a qualified mortgage. So you can use some of those senior debt uh, that they have out there. There are senior lenders that you can work with and fall in under the Freddie Fannie program. So is that how you kind of break it down? You guys break it down into different categories of multifamily? At a macro level, yes. So I'd say there's, you know, two to four family. We call that small multi. And then we okay. have apartments. And we we teach it separately because it is very, very different. It's night and day difference. The valuation, the lending, like everything is different. Within two to four. So when I'm talking to someone who's like a beginner, but they're in a 
sometimes beginners are like, that's great, but I don't want to bother with that. I want to start with 10 or 20 units. Cool. Then we'll teach them apartments. But what I found over all of the years is that more people are like, you know what? Let me just get something that is good. It's a good deal, a good cash flow. So I could understand the process and then I'll build up. Well, depending on who you're talking to, there's two really big strategies out there, even for the smaller multis. It's the same with the, with the apartments. It's either stabilized, meaning it's pretty much cash flowing from day one, or it's a value add. So in the two to four world, that's the Burr strategy where you're going to buy it, renovate it, rent it out, and then refinance it. And then in, you know, apartment world, we would do that a value add project. But getting back to that, Clint, when you're asking, you know, would you go conventional financing? If somebody is lendable in that way, because not everybody is, but if somebody is regular W-2, good credit score lendable, they can definitely go conventional financing on the stabilized. For people who are like, you know what? I want to do a value add. I want to try to maximize my capital. And they do want to do the, the Burr strategy and do the rehab. There are special lenders that are specifically for that. And they're called hard money lenders and they're expensive but they're expensive just for the period of time that you're holding it. So what I found is that, and they're also great for people who don't have the job and the high credit score and things like that. Their qualifications are a little bit easier and it allows people to get in the game. So, and even hard money lenders nowadays are doing the long-term 30-year fixed mortgages, probably because they see, they see the economy change. Flipping is, you know, it's, it's going to be working itself out of like the you know, what are they? Limelight. They yeah, limelight it's out right of the limelight with, you know, interest rates going up and it's, you know, it's going to have some downward pressure on prices eventually. You know, those lenders don't want to go out of business. And so they need to offer a, a, bit, a better product. Well, we thought this was going to happen three years ago. So we've been literally waiting for this correction to come or for things to slow down. And part of what gave me the clue that that was coming is I started noticing the hard money lenders offering long-term rental loans. So to your question, yes, Fannie, Freddie, conventional, sure. But for people who don't fit into that perfect mold, you can also get a mortgage from a hard money lender. And they're not like 12%. It's not like a rehab loan rate. They're a little bit higher than conventional, but not ridiculously higher. So I feel like in these days when people have knowledge, knowledge is power, right? When people have the knowledge of how to protect their assets, like everything that you guys do, the strategy, the asset protection, they are empowered to make good decisions. Same thing like with the lending, if they have knowledge about what's possible, somebody who said, I, I can't do this because I can't get a regular loan because I don't have a W-2 or I don't have a 700s credit score, that wouldn't keep you from investing if you have knowledge that there's actually yeah. different lending options for you. Okay. Sorry, that, so, was a long, that was a very long answer. No, no, that's good. I mean, because a lot of people don't understand that, that aspect of it. They think, well, I don't qualify because I don't have that credit score. There are a lot of non-QM lenders out, qualified mortgages out there that are available to you that will help put these deals together. But the key is, you know, so let's just stick with the four units and under. What do you look for to find these deals? Where, where, where should I, what rock should I be lifting up behind trees? Where, where, where are those things located? <laughs> that's that, such a great That's question. a great question. We get, we get that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. People are under the impression, because if you just listen, then there's no good deals out there. Right. Like there's just no good deals. But the reality is, you know, we run an academy and our students deal after deal after deal after deal after deal they're getting. So clearly they're getting them from somewhere. So I will tell you and for your audience, there is a single place that we tell our students to go. We give them 10 different options, but we're like, look, 95% of your results are going to come from one place. 
That is building relationships with realtors in the local market that they're going to be investing, which is mostly not where they live because we teach remote investing. So we don't teach people, yeah, go find, go find properties where you live. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that a lot of our students and a lot of people that follow us, they don't live in investing friendly places. They live in expensive places. And so what we tell them is pick your market or pick a few markets and start reaching out to realtors. Yes, you're going to find that they have MLS listed properties, which everyone has access to. That is true, but they also have off-market properties. And the other thing, Clint, is I don't want people to dismiss that just because something is listed on the MLS means that it can't be a good deal. All day, every day, we have our students who are out there finding deals. The numbers don't, don't make sense as listed, but they'll make the offer that does work for them. And it's a lot of no, 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 yes. And then they take that yes deal and then they go to due diligence and they find out what are the real numbers? How much rehab does it really need? Or how much rent is it really getting? And if they need to go back and renegotiate it because there's more wrong with the property than they thought, uh, then they do that. And that is how our students are getting deals. It's not a matter of waiting for the perfect deal. It's get out there and make stuff happen. Make offers. I think another thing that I'd like to add to that is, and mm-hmm. I'm just gonna, Susie yeah. doesn't like when I do this because what? she's the one who will teach people how to yes. fish, and I'm the one handing oh, out gift fish, fish sandwiches. sandwiches. Um, but go to cnbc.com, look at the top 10 business states, and in those top 10 business states, look for the two MSAs that are up to 120 miles away from each other. And where's that path of progress? Because as things are building out, it's going to drive the value of other homes. And you can come in there and look for a path that's like going through gentrification and you can get in there at a low rate, add some value to it. Now, this is if you're going to do a burst strategy, of course. Um, and if you're a beginner, I actually prefer that you get into a stabilized one first. So it cash flows day one, if you can, she differs, we differ. Um, <laughs> but everybody out there is going to have a different opinion, right? Oh, and true. so when you get in there and you're looking at, okay, where is this that I can find these low deals that I can pick up in realtors or brokers that you're calling can get that list to you and you can start evaluating it. But cnbc.com, it lists out the top 10 business states and, and you want to look for things like job, job growth, population growth. Are those things on the up and up? Is Amazon coming into town? And if they are, um, how long will it be before they're completely in there? Is it one year, three? It's usually about three years, but there's so many different, I call them key performance indicators or KPIs that tell you what a market's doing and how you want to get in there when most people are going to think you're crazy. Like we entered into Indianapolis in 2017 and everyone was like, what are you talking about? But yet we picked up duplexes for 29 grand and now they're what? 175 or because the gentrification took place. So that's also another really cool way to to pick up a good market and figure out uh, how to get in there low and then sell high and, you know, swap till you drop on a 1031 exchange if you have to. Okay. So when you're evaluating a quad or lower, what are some of the things I should be looking at to, to evaluate whether or not this is a good investment? So it depends on whether your uh, your strategy is going to be stabilized or going for a value add. So if you're the type, so speaking to your your listeners, your watchers right now, um, if you're the type of person that you really don't have a lot of time, you do have some capital, and you really just want to get something that cash flows right away, you're going for stabilized. If you're going for stabilized, you want to look at things like um, how many of the units are occupied, um, ideally all of them if it's stabilized, what is the current rent? The other thing you want to look at is what is the market rent and how far away are are those? 
Because if the market rent is a little bit higher than your current rent, you actually have not only stabilized, but you have some upside as well, which is really nice. So that's a big one. Um, I mean, ultimately, you're going to be looking at things like property taxes, what are insurance. You're doing a basic financial analysis to make sure that that property is going to cash flow. So in something that's uh, two to four units, before interest rates started going up, we would tell our students between 200 and 250 a door. Um, like that's what we'd like to see you doing. And many of our students will do higher than that if they find a really good deal, but that's a good place to land. With interest rates going up, it's unlikely that we're going to be able to meet that level of cash flow on every unit because it's just, this is the reality. The cost of money is higher, but if you can get between 150 and 200 a door, then you're sitting in a good place so that if an unexpected thing comes up, you're not necessarily going to be out of pocket about it. Um, if someone moves out, you're not like, oh God, what am I going to do to cover the mortgage? Cause you have other tenants in there. So looking at the income of the property and the basic expenses is going to allow someone to look at how much would this cash flow based on whatever the interest rate is at that time, which as we know is, is a shifting, a shifting monster right now. If someone is looking to do a value add, meaning they're willing to spend a little bit more time dealing with it because you got to deal with the contractor. They're willing to deal with more frustration because there absolutely is when you're dealing with a rehab, there's delays, there's frustration. You're dealing with your contractor. Sometimes they don't answer their phone right away. You might want to pull your hair out a little bit. Why would you even do that? And those are my favorite ones, except when I'm in it. The reason you would do that is because you're raising the value of the property through doing rehab. So if that is your strategy, if you maybe don't have as much money just to sink into a property and you are willing to do spend more time and deal with a little more frustration to make more money, when you're doing the Burr strategy, you want to look at the after rehab value on top of the other things I already mentioned. Well, there actually won't be any current rent because there's not usually tenants in there. They're usually vacant. So you're looking at market rent. And so you you run like what I call a pro forma financial, which is like a, uh, it's not a mock financial. It's a, a financial statement as if the new tenants are in there. So what is the market rate market rent for your newly renovated unit? And then what are the property taxes, insurance, property management, maintenance, et cetera. And then the other thing you want to make sure is your after rehab value. Is it high enough so that when you're completely done with this rehab, and let's say we're six months down the line and you're going to refinance, that you could refinance at 70 or 75% of that new ARV and that you'd be able to at least get some of your capital back out. Probably not realistic to get all of it out. <laughs> some of our students have, but yeah. I feel like that's a that's a hard thing to do yeah. these days. Back in, back in when I was new investing, it was easy because yeah. they would lend up to 90%, but not so much anymore. Those are some of the things that really you want to pay attention to depending on what your strategy is. Well, when, when you mentioned 150 per door, hopefully everyone realizes we're talking about a leveraged asset. We're not talking about paying cash here. So if you're correct. paying cash, of course, it's going to be much more. Yes, right. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I guess because every time we're, when we're always dealing for ourselves, we are still in growth mode. We are not in just sit, sit and wait around mode. And everybody we work with is also in growth mode. So I forget sometimes that people sometimes will just pay cash for things. But for us, we, instead of paying all cash, we'd rather break that money up into four, five properties. Four, yeah, four or five pieces and go get, yeah, four to five number of the property. Yeah. I don't know that we'll ever not be in growth mode. Yeah, I have a difficult time envisioning that, but. <laughs> so Jenna, are you going out and looking at the properties at all or are you doing everything over the internet? When you're no, buying? this is so, this is such a great question, Clint, because we have never stepped foot in our properties. <laughs> and uh, we just went last week and we got invited to go to the pole race in Indy and we have a small portfolio there and 
right when we landed, she looked at me and said, well, do you want to go look at all the properties? And I was like, yeah, as long as we don't step foot in them. <laughs> and that was the first time I've ever been in the vicinity of yeah. one of our properties. But to answer your question, no, we do everything online. We do everything over the phone. All we need is cell phone, Wi-Fi, laptop, we'll travel, um, and we can invest anywhere and not need to be there. Yeah, but you know, I get it if you're going to buy a stabilized property that you could evaluate it. But I think the challenge is if I want to get into a property that I'm going to have to add value, so the value adds, the idea of finding a contractor, just, I mean, how do you know? I mean, where do you go to find a decent contractor so you don't get screwed? Well, like everybody else that does it physically, they just walk and open their front door and say, I need a contractor really loud. I need a contractor! (laughs) Except no, that's what nobody does. Um, I mean, we find, we literally will get a property that we get locked up we will have three contractors go out and bid on it. And you can find them in Thumbtack. You can find them in different, you don't have to scream out your front door. And then we have a very specific process for vetting them and on top of inspectors and how to vet property managers and how to how to go through that entire process. It's, it, it's just not necessary to be there. Yeah, it's a really big mindset shift because that is the that is the biggest question we get asked, Clay, is... Well, what about, and it's always contractors. What about contractors? Even though you need a whole team, contractors is the big one. I'm like, just like you're not going to go outside your front door and start yelling for, how do you find a contractor for the house you live in? You go online, you go to Thumbtack, Home Advisor, Angie's List. There's tons of websites. And that's just a way to start making some phone calls. And like Jen said, we we vet, we have a long questionnaire. We vet them. We have them bid the project. And you have three different sets of eyes. We only use licensed and experienced general contractors. And we also use technology to our advantage. So, you know, throughout the duration of the rehab, we have check-in protocols and we use Marco Polo and it's, it's literally like a video walkie talkie. So they can walk the property and show you everything and you can respond. It's really, it's like being there without being there. Oh, so that's an app. Yeah. It's our favorite app. It's our favorite. It's our favorite because you can communicate back and forth with them. They can give you visuals. They can walk around like real time. It's almost like FaceTime, except FaceTime's not recorded, right? It's just it's just live. But Marco Polo, mm-hmm. it's a document. Yeah, it is. Everything is documented. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing. So yes, we use technology, which that's been over. T- that has shifted over time because that technology didn't exist when I was new. Right. A lot of things that we use now didn't exist then. It's a lot easier now. But the other thing, Clint, that we do. That a lot of people, once they start getting their mind around, oh, yeah, I guess the way I find a contractor is at home is I pull up the internet, I go to a website, and I start making calls, and mm-hmm. then I get bids. It's the same thing you do anywhere. But once we're in the deal, well, first of all, we also get a home inspection. Every pro- there's with no exceptions, we always get we get a or get a building inspection. It depends on the size of the building. But once we're in the rehab and the contractor says, okay, I'm done with these four things, I'm ready for a draw. We don't just say, oh, okay, here's your money. We always have an independent third-party inspector, ideally the original home inspector, go to the property and review those those items. Are they done and are they done correctly? Because they almost never are 100% actually done. (laughs) The home inspector might go and say, okay, well, these two things are completely done. This third thing is 80% done. And this thing's like 50% done. Well, cool. I'm glad I didn't just pay them for all four things because they're not actually done. And that has been something we've learned the hard way Mm -hmm. over time. But to add that layer is what allows us to not be there. And frankly, even if we were, I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't know what to look at either. Oh, the shower pan's not in right? 
Okay. Yeah, I put in the well, I don't know what I'm requesting, but they happen to be pony walls. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So that's the whole thing. And I think one of the nice things about that is some, sometimes people get nervous about doing rehab type of projects because they're not knowledgeable about rehab. They're not overly knowledgeable about rehab. And I'm not one to pick up a hammer. I mean, if I have to, but I'm sure I'll do more damage than good, but it doesn't matter because I use professionals that are vetted and I have a third party who's very experienced go and look at that project before I ever release funds. So I don't have to be very overly knowledgeable about rehab specifically. What I have to be is really good at project management and understanding how to lead a team. And these days, I feel like remote is becoming pretty common. I mean, our team for our academy is mostly all over the U.S. We have three people that are in different parts of the world, all three different, and they are an everyday part of our life, just like everyone else. And none of our team lives where we live. I think one person lives in the state, I think, but not even close. And so the whole idea of remote is becoming more common for people. And if you start thinking, especially if people are already working remotely at work or they did for the you know, yeah. time of COVID, I think, you start, COVID helped, yeah. I think so too. Yeah. You start realizing you don't have to physically be there if you can put controls in place mm-hmm. to make sure that things are being done correctly and that you're using professionals. You know, we're not trying to get like our brother to go <laughs> like do something for us. We're actually hiring licensed, experienced professionals. All right. So then what happens when you go beyond the, the four, say we're looking between five and 20, how, does that change at all in, in the analysis or how you approach those types of deals? The analysis, definitely. Um, so when it comes to apartment buildings, so for everyone, I will call apartment buildings as anything five or more units. The valuation is different, right? Two to four units are valued based on comparable sales only. That, that's pretty much it. When you get into apartments, the valuation is based on the net operating income. So that's the revenue that comes in minus the operating expenses. And there's something called a market cap rate. So those two items, net operating income and market cap rate, that drives the value of the property. They will also, banks will also look at comparable sales, but the bigger driver is that net operating income. So I am far more interested when it comes to apartment buildings at diving in to see where can I increase that net operating income? Is it, can I increase the revenue? Can I decrease expenses? Can I, you know, implement a rub system, a ratio utility billing system, where I can then offset my utility costs? Because if I can lower my expenses, I can increase my value. So from the evaluation standpoint, we are looking at like really maximizing the cash flow or the net operating income. When it comes to doing due diligence, it's not really different. There's just more. We're, we are looking at leases. We are looking at if there's any contracts that the building already has in place. We are looking at those. Um, with the contractors, we're not typically getting like three, unless it's a, unless it's an actual true rehab project. A lot of times it's just there's unit turnover needed or upgrade. So we'll have people that are, they don't necessarily have to be licensed general contractors. As long as our property manager who is there in town is okay with going in and being a part of that. Because oftentimes it's our property managers that have in-house rehab teams that will go in and do the turnover on that. But we still have the building inspection done and we inspect every single unit. There's We never skip a single unit because, you know, that one, yeah. the uh, one, one you unit. skip, mm-hmm. it's good. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one that, that will get you. So... So how do you find the property managers though? So, I mean, that's just another aspect of all of this. Um, like what you just brought up, they have their in-house teams versus those that contracted out, which all my stuff's, well, 95% of it is all remote. And I've been through those issues before with, with property managers, finding good ones that have it in-house rather than they 
beat the hell out of me on my CapEx when they're sending yeah. someone out there to replace a mailbox. <laughs> so, well, I mean, for property managers, primarily, our primary way of finding property managers is just Googling and then just finding and calling all of them because what we'll find in any given market is that there's some property managers that focus only in the Northwest quadrant of the city, or there's only the property managers uh, only focus on single families or only two to four or only apartments and, and only apartments that are you know, over 60 units or only apartments 24. So like they're all different. So really when someone's getting started in a market, you, you almost have to call all the different property managers. And then you end up with your shorter list of the ones that make sense for what kind of asset you're, you're looking to buy. And then you're asking those questions. And you know what, Clint, not every one of our property management companies has in-house. Um, they don't. And if that's the case, I'm always talking to the, whoever the contractor is and say, look, we don't come into a market to buy one property. We never do. So there is a long-term opportunity for you to be our go-to person. But what we need from you is work to be done timely for your reporting to be honest and that your pricing to be fair. And if we can do all those things, you're going to be our go-to guy for everything that we do. So it's just a matter of trying to appeal to their logical side mm -hmm. um, and and seeing, seeing a future of working with us that's been mutually beneficial. Sure. So do you think then that the apartment side, I mean, going back to what we talked about being oversold or, or tapped out, you're still seeing growth in that, especially with interest rate changes and that's going on now? Apartments compared to two to four family, there's just a smaller inventory anyway. And that has been, multifamily apartments has been the darling for many, many years. And there's lots of cash. So it is very competitive. And yet our students are still getting multifamily deals. It's, it, for our students, we we really specialize in people who are just getting started or they're in their first couple of buildings. And so the sweet spot that we're seeing is between like six and 20 units. We have a few of our students who've closed more like 30 unit buildings, a couple of them, but most people are closing between five and 20 units. And it's just, they're doing the same thing. They're reaching out to a lot of different brokers in the markets they've identified that they're interested in. And they just, their follow-up game is strong. Any deal they get in, especially with a new relationship, they'll evaluate and then they'll call them back. And this is one of the keys, Clint, for, for people who are watching your, your podcast, like you, you don't want to be the type of person that asks someone to send you a bunch of stuff and then they never hear from you again. And maybe you didn't call back because you were like, well, that deal is terrible. Like I'm not, I can't do that deal. But when you call that broker back and say, I really appreciate that you sent me that 14 unit deal. Um, here's what I liked about it. But unfortunately what the seller's asking, like it's, uh, it's, it's far more than it makes sense to pay based on my criteria. And just that alone will tell the broker that you actually did look at it, which is a respect of their time and that you're serious and that you know how to evaluate a deal because they know it's crap too. Yeah. Sorry. They know it's garbage. <laughs> another, another thing that, that we noticed, in, especially last year in 2021 is in response to COVID, what we saw is a lot of opportunity with motels or short-term rentals that kind of declined because of COVID. And then you have owners who had some dire situations and needed to off the property. Um, so we've seen some of that where you can use it as a mixed use. And we chose to dive into that last year and, and just kind of look into a different type of business model because of it. Um, so we ended up closing on a motel in January that is mixed use to look at it. And, but the way that we evaluated it is a 44 key because in motel world, they're keys. <laughs> um, it's a 44 key building pro with two different buildings on the property. And um, we wanted to make sure that we had a long-term approach and a short-term rental approach. And we took 10 
and we're using them as a long-term rental approach. And that covers the nut of the entire building. And then the short-term rental approach, we, we have it in an amazing area. It's in Wallace, Idaho, which it's the Stardust at Wallace. And it's in a really cool community because not all of these motels were in a bad a bad area that wasn't seeing a lot of traffic. They just, they were thriving before and then traffic dipped and they found themselves in some circumstances, right? So it's still a very, very good area in terms of jobs, growth, and it's in the panhandle. So as people are traveling and want to go there, it's still a really good opportunity for us. So we started looking at those types and we don't have all the answers on this one. We're literally rehabbing <laughs> it. And learning as we go. <laughs> learning as we go. Um, but that was also something to look at because as the economy is changing and as COVID had impacts, there's different opportunities. And some people will look mm-hmm. at that and say, oh God, I got to contract and I got to get back in and, and I don't want to risk anything. But then there's people like us who are like, oh, let me expand. Let me open up and let me look at different ways to skin this cat and let's try it. So we took a very calculated risk and did it that way too. So I think that there's just some opportunities out there and there might be some mind blocks with it. People think there's no deals, right? And, but there are, there are, there are a lot of deals. How did you find that deal in Wallace? Idaho? It fell on our lap because we have relationships. Then <laughs> um, that, that, that's almost not fair to say, but but when you start reaching out to realtors and brokers and building those relationships on a long enough timeline, pretty soon they know you close. They know you're a performer. Pretty soon, you're, some of our students even get cold calls from that just happened. Marcus like and Miller two days ago, yeah. yeah, because they know you perform. Now they're reaching out to you. We're the same. It, it happens to us because we've treated it for almost two decades as a relationship business versus, you know, this automated services, let me go out and pound the pavement. Um, we're like a, ma- a deal magnet now and not now, but we have been, and, and we attract them because of the relationship piece and it fell in our lap and our business partner evaluated it. We all talked about it. We really dug into it. Stacy evalu- evaluated the crap out of it. <laughs> when you have Stacy evaluate a deal, you know, it's, you know, you're all right. <laughs> so we had people, her put people her cry sometimes. Yeah. We make, she makes people cry, including me. <laughs> what about this? What about this? What about, what about this? this? Decimal <laughs> point. Um, so, you know, it's just because we treat it from a relationship perspective, we get deals that fall in our lap. Our pipeline is just full because they know we're going to close if it's a good deal. So they'll bring them to us. Yeah, I remember. Uh, so I used to follow Stacy. We would teach an educational course together and uh, she was supposed to give him two hours and she'd always run 40 minutes over into my time because she just kept going and going and going and telling everybody. <laughs> and then I would get up there and their hands are cramping because they can't write anymore. Yeah. yeah. I know you guys teach I- something on Wednesdays, don't you? Uh, every Wednesday? We do. Yeah. We have a weekly training on a, a variety of multifamily topics. We do it every Wednesday at uh, 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. So how do, if somebody wanted to attend that, there, is there a cost? No. no, no, no. We do it for free every week. And it's just, it's our way of being able to um, be available to new investors or just the community of investors to ask any question, you know, learn a little bit and then come in with questions. Um, but no, it's free. They can um, register at, it's www. I'm going to say it first and I'll spell it. It's wowaua.com. So it's W-O-W-A-U-A.com. And that stands for Warriors of Wealth. Because in our academy, our people who are in it, we call them our Warriors of Wealth. Anyway, and then it's Ask Us Anything. So it's wowaua.com. And once you go in there, you can register for the next one. Uh, and if for some reason someone can't make that time, because I understand that's the case sometimes with work and schedules, um, 
it's the, once you register the next page, you, it'll be last week's recording and we leave it up for a week. And that way you can still benefit. Even if you can't attend live, you can still learn what we're there to teach, but then you can also watch the Q and a of other new investors and what questions they're asking. And sometimes that's great when you're new because you don't even know what to ask. Right. So sometimes just coming and listening to other people's questions and answers gives you a nice foundation that allows you to, to feel a bit more confident so that you can step forward and, and start making some progress. Yeah. Nice. And I'm going to put that link in the show notes so that if you guys didn't catch it, just go down there in the notes and you're going to find that. I'm also going to put that Marco Polo app. I'm going to get the, you guys send me the link on that. I'll make sure we get that in there as well. Um, we've reached the end of the time. Is there anything else you'd like to tell everyone that's watching right now or listening in uh, about the, the, the small investing space in multifamily? I have one thing to say, and that is everything that's going on in the economy, inflation, gas, everything it is, hedge the inflation by getting the money into a hard asset. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't contract, expand. Sometimes the media can set fear and then you don't ever achieve your goals. So don't let that happen to you. Yeah. I mean, that's so true because you've, you've been through it like I have, where you saw it go back down and, and that's where the opportunities were. When everyone else starts pulling out, that's when you step in. And that can really be your launch pad. So I hope people to go take advantage of it, join you on Wednesday. And I want to, again, thank you for coming on and sharing all this wisdom with me today. I truly appreciate it. Thank you for having us, Clint. Thank you, Clint. All right. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Show notes for links to everything mentioned in this episode can be found on our website at andersonadvisors.com slash podcast. Be sure you subscribe to our podcast. And if you are already a subscriber, please provide us a review of what you thought of this episode.